All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yes, I am Alex. I am the other elder of our two elder board here. Um, just to give you a little more background, um, I've got a beautiful wife right here. We've got three kids hanging out in the back over there. Um, I am an engineer by trade. As uh, I think Paul put it the other day, I have a degree in nerd. So <laughs> this, uh, when you think engineer public speaker, probably doesn't come to mind right away. But um, no, when, when Derek asked me uh, if I would come up and, and do this teaching, uh, I was very excited because um, this passage is just... Um, The view that you see of Jesus and his sheep in this passage is just, it's just glorious. Um, and so last week, um, Derek had asked the question, what is God like? And we saw that God had revealed himself through Jesus as the good shepherd. Um, he's all powerful. He's all loving. He's going to guide us. He's going to protect us. He's going to lead us. Um, when things get rough, he's going to be there. And so this week, we're going to look at the other side of that question and ask, what are his sheep like? So today we're going to be looking at uh, John 10, 22 to 30. Um, in this, this is, uh, you're going to see a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees in here that is just very revealing of what Jesus' sheep are like. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Father, we just thank you for the word that, there's a little ringing there, um, the word that you've given us. Um, God, I, uh, I thank you that you are our good, good shepherd. Lord, you are our good, good Father, and we are loved by you. I love those lyrics. Um, Father, what peace we find in those. God, I pray that as we go through your word today, that, um, that we would just see what you have called us to, and we would see the promise that you have given us, Lord. Father, guide us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John 10 here, Jesus is going to continue the, the analogy of the sheep that he used previously with the Pharisees. This has been kind of a couple months between the last conversation where Jesus explained to them that he is the good shepherd, that um, he is the one that guides and leads and protects. And in here, this couple months later, he's going to continue on with this same analogy. Um, now, when Derek was talking about this last week, he actually did mention one of the characteristics of the sheep, which is that they're always dependent on somebody to lead them. Sheep need someone to lead them. And so as I was thinking about that and I was putting this message together, the thing that came to mind are my kids. Kids need somebody to learn from, somebody to lead them in this life. Um, 
they're always dependent on someone older to guide them through this. And so an example that kind of came to mind as I was thinking about this is a couple weeks ago, we were doing the outreach. We were handing out groceries, and we had let Sawyer, our oldest, who's just about five, um, take her little push bike out. And we let her do this because we trusted her on that to listen when we needed her to go somewhere or to stop or something like that. And so we hand out groceries. We get to the end of the day. We're going back to the car, and we had parked kind of across the street from this parking lot. We're going through the parking lot. We go to the end of it, and I ask Sawyer to stop. And so instantly, she hears my voice. She recognizes that I am dad, and I have, um, she recognizes the authority in my voice, and she follows my, what I had asked her to do. So she heard, she recognized, and she followed. Um, and she did it because she knew that I'm dad, I know what's best for her, and I should probably listen. So as we answer the question of what Jesus' sheep are like today, we're going to kind of look at these three words, hear, recognize, follow. Jesus' sheep, hear him. They recognize him as Lord, and they follow him. Um, and as we look at this, we're going to see the amazing thing about Jesus using this analogy of the sheep again is he's pointing the Pharisees back to something that had just happened a couple months ago where he showed them exactly what his sheep do. Um, so to start out, um, as we go through this, let's, I want us to be asking ourselves, do I fit this description of the sheep? Um, Jesus is going to explain his sheep. Um, as, you do, as we go through this, ask yourself, is that me? Um, that's what, as I was doing this message, that's the question I constantly ask myself as I was writing this out is, is this me? Am I following Jesus in all of this? Um, so to start out, we've got Jesus at this feast, the Feast of Dedication. It took place at Jerusalem. It was, it was winter time, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Um, the, the Feast of Dedication, this was, it's actually what we know today as Hanukkah. This is actually the same exact holiday that is still being celebrated today. It started around 164, 165 B.C., and it started because the Seleucid Empire um, had come in, and they had taken over Israel, and um, they had instituted some rules saying that the Jews were no longer allowed to use their religious practices. They could no longer sacrifice in the temple like they used to do. And a man in, in Israel named Judas, Judah Maccabeus came up and led a revolt against the Seleucids and, and won their freedom through some um, pretty amazing battles, some crazy guerrilla warfare, and just took on this, this huge empire and won. And so this was a celebration of Judah coming in and bringing deliverance from the Seleucid Empire. And so as we're looking through this, this, this holiday that they're celebrating here, this feast, is there's all of this energy and excitement around they had won their freedom. They had won freedom from the Seleucid Empire. And then the Romans came in. <laughs> so they went right from getting freedom from the Seleucid Empire to the Romans coming in and being right back in the exact same scenario. And so as we look at this... Um, there's, there's kind of this anticipation of they're, they're looking for somebody new now, a new Judah Maccabeus to come in and, and win their freedom from the Romans. And, and so um, as, we've, as we kind of go through this, understand when they ask this question, they're not asking for the Messiah that we know of, the Messiah that delivers from sin, the Messiah that, that brings eternal life. They're looking for just getting out from under Roman rule. That's all they're looking for. And so... 
the Pharisees go on and they ask, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, Jesus, knowing what they're looking for, knowing that they're looking for this kind of warrior king to deliver them from the Romans, knows that if he just answers yes right here, they're going to completely misunderstand and misinterpret what he's saying. And so rather than saying, yep, I'm, I'm the guy you've been looking for. I'm, I'm the one that's written about. Um, let's go and do this. He says, I already told you, and you didn't pay attention. You didn't listen um, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Um, so setting the scene here, it's just, there's all this excitement in here looking for somebody to li- deliver them. They ask him, they've, they've kind of cornered him in here and asked, are you the one we've been looking for? They're ready to carry him off and, and go to war against the Romans. And he just completely diverts this and points them back to what he's already shown them. Um, He points them to the works that he has done. Now, um, the important thing to understand about the works, and this is, this is the first uh, point in your handout there, is Jesus' works were never meant to wow people into believing. They were intended to act as confirmation of who Jesus is. They were meant to be evidence. So... An example of this is after John the Baptist was sent to prison, he had sent his disciples to Jesus and asked them, are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? And and he responds back, um, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This was a reference back to, the, back to Isaiah in the Old Testament, a book the Pharisees were, were most certainly familiar with. It, um, and it talks about the coming Messiah and the signs that, that would accompany that. And it, in Isaiah 35, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So when Jesus points back to the signs and says, look, I've already shown you guys all of this stuff. You should, you should see this. Jesus is saying, you know what's written in the Old Testament. You know what to look for, but you're completely blind to it. You haven't seen it. This, all of these things that I've done are works that God does. Um, in fact, just, just a few verses later on, after these verses we're looking at today, um, Jesus actually challenges the Pharisees and, and says, um, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you, do be- you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He's saying, look, I may not fit the description of the Messiah that you're looking for, but you know the Old Testament if I'm doing the works that only God can do, maybe you need to change your definition of the Messiah. Maybe you're looking for the wrong guy here. Um, and so the Pharisees, they, they hear what Jesus is saying here. And that a lot of them probably even recognize a lot of these signs from the Old Testament, and they're being kind of challenged by them. 
but they're refusing to follow him. They're refusing to recognize the signs as pointing to Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, and so the, the, then the reason that Jesus gives for this unbelief next is that the Pharisees were not his sheep. Um, Notice in verse 26, he's, he's talking about works that he had already done in the past, but the believing, that verb is present and active. He's saying, look back at these past works that I've done and believe now, follow me now. Um, these works are, are the evidence of who I am. Believe me, follow me. And so verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Um, so like I was saying earlier, Jesus was kind of continuing this analogy uh, of the good shepherd. He was pointing the Pharisees back to a conversation that they had had just a couple months ago. Um, and the amazing thing about this is it, it's not necessarily the conversation, but it's, it's what led up to that conversation that is important in this. Um, he's pointing them back to a sign that he specifically did that is right out of Isaiah. Um, he had healed a blind man, a, a man who had born been born blind, um, and so he's pointing them back to this sign and saying, look at this that I've done, and, and I mean, if, if you had seen a man who had been born blind healed, a couple months later, you're still going to remember that. That's still going to be pretty firm in your mind, and so he's pointing them back to this and saying, remember this situation that happened, and so if we look back at that, um, this is just in John 9, so probably just one or two pages back. Um, John 9 starts out with Jesus and his disciples walking into the temple, and they walk past this blind man, and his disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus' response to this question is very revealing. He says, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All of that was planned so that Jesus could point people to the Savior. Um, this, this terrible affliction that this man had, this, this twisting that Satan had done, Jesus took that and used it to point to him as the Savior. Um, and it's just this metaphor of he had this physical blindness healed, and Jesus came in and did this, and it points to the fact that we are spiritually blind, and Jesus can heal us from that as well. Um, and so he's pointing them back to this miracle that happened. And um, so you fast forward a bit in this conversation. Jesus, Jesus heals this man who had been born, born blind. The Pharisees don't believe it. They're, they're refusing to acknowledge it. They call in the man's parents because they, they just don't want to believe it. And the man's parents come in and say, yeah, that, that's our son. Um, and yeah, he was born blind, but we don't have a clue how he regained the sight. I, I don't know what happened. They were, they were afraid of the Pharisees. They didn't want to say that Jesus had healed him. Um, and so they basically disown him. And so this man who just, just regained his sight after living blind all his life just got disowned by his parents. Um, and the Pharisees still don't want to believe. They're refusing to recognize. They've seen the sign. They're refusing to recognize what it really means. Um, and so... They continue on, um, and they, uh, they keep challenging this, this man who had been born blind on this. 
And finally, the guy responds, and, and I love his response here because you see that he immediately knew what this sign meant. He says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone recognized, or that anybody opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You know, he recognized God in that act. And the, the Pharisees answer him, refusing to recognize, you were born in utter sin, and would, would you teach us? And they cast him out. So now this guy's been disowned by his family, and he's been cast out of the temple. And so they cast him out, and Jesus finds him, and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So you see this man who just regained the sight, recognized what the sign meant, got disowned by his family, got kicked out of the temple, all of this stuff, and he still, he recognizes who Jesus is. He recognizes Jesus as Lord and falls on his knees and worships. And then you see the Pharisees see the exact same sign, know what it means. They, they knew the book of Isaiah, but they refused to recognize Jesus as Lord. So we see three characteristics of sheep that Jesus has pointed to throughout this analogy. First, Jesus' sheep hear his voice. Second, Jesus' sheep recognize him as Lord. Did you get it right over there? Nice. Third, Jesus' sheep obediently follow him. Sometimes we struggle a bit with, with what this all looks like together, to, to hear and to recognize him as Lord and to follow him. Sometimes we, we kind of get caught up on, on what does this really all look like together. And so to kind of break it down, the first is, is hear. How do we hear from God? First place is through his scripture. It's through the Bible. Not only is God's character laid out in the Bible, but a lot of, uh, of specific things that are his will are also laid out in there. Um, for example, you don't have to wonder if God wants you to pursue a life of selflessness and grace and thankfulness. Um, you don't have to wonder if God wants you to share your faith with others. Um, you don't have to wonder if God wants you to care for widows and orphans in need. Those are clearly laid out in here. That is God's will for your life. Um, and then how else do we hear from God? Um, we hear from God through prayer. We hear from God through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we hear from God through other believers around us. He's going to use the, the wise believers around us to speak truth into our lives and to guide us. Um, as I was thinking about this, because sometimes, you know, it's, we kind of we feel like maybe God's pulling us somewhere. I, I don't know, though. How do I recognize it? How do I recognize it in the noise of all this world that's around us? And, um, 
amazing thing happened this week, actually. I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine um, on this exact thing. I was letting him know, hey, I'm going to be teaching this weekend. This is what I'm going to be teaching on. And, and I was telling him, you know, I was kind of struggling with how to explain, you know, how do we, how do we hear God and just kind of the everyday life. And, and he had this amazing story um, from his own life. He, when, he was, uh, when he was 18, he, he lost his mom. And um, he said he remembered at some point, kind of a little bit later on, that can't remember her voice like I just I can't I can't remember her voice I feel like I've forgotten it and I, I, I wouldn't know it if I heard it and and one night him and his brother and sister and his dad they're eating dinner and and somebody called and of course they're eating dinner so they let it just kind of go to the answering machine and it clicks on and his mom's voice comes on as the greeting and he instantly recognized it I mean it was just as soon as he heard it, he, he knew her voice. He, he had spent so much time with his mom, hearing her voice, hearing the tones in her voice, knowing how she talks, knowing just um, the inflections in her voice. And, and so he just instantly recognized it. And, and he knew right then. He had never forgotten it. Um, and, and so the, kind of the parallel in that is when you spend so much time in God's word, you know how he talks. You know his will. You know his character. And as you go through life, you recognize when he calls you. You know, you feel yourself drawn to something, and, and you look at this, and you go, oh, that lines up with, what, with what's in his word. That's God talking to you. That's God leading you. That's, you are hearing from God in that moment. Um, and, and so the, the main point I want to drive home with that is be in his word. Know him. Get to know him really, really deeply in his word, and you'll hear him as you go through your everyday life. You'll hear him out of the noise, just like when you're in the store and, and your mom or dad calls out. You hear them over everybody else because you know their voice. You'll hear him over the noise of this world. Um, And so that's, that's how you hear, and that's how you recognize. You just you get to know him so well. And then, and, and then there's the following. You know, you, you've heard, you've recognized him as Lord, you've recognized his will, and now, you, now it's the following. Another word for the, the following is, is obedience. We had it in, in that, you know, you obediently follow. Um, so when you hear and you recognize his word, what do you do? Um, you know, you're, you're asking yourself, just as, as he talked about, his sheep follow him. And so, so maybe you're listening to this, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I do go to his word, and I hear him, and I, I think I recognize it, but I don't, I don't know if I'm following. Um, I, I feel like maybe sometimes I, I kind of stray off. Um, am I one of his sheep? That, and that's... Uh, it's a valid question to ask, but it's also uh, it, it's kind of a dangerous path to start going down, especially uh, teaching through this verse. You know, I want to be careful here because we're we're kind of we're kind of sailing through this straight here, and there's rocks on either side that that could just completely shipwreck. Um, you know, on the one side, you, you could you could veer too far to this side and crash into these rocks that say, "I've got to keep doing works. I got to keep doing works. I got to earn my salvation," um, and you completely forget that. This is actually a relationship with Jesus that we're seeking. We're not seeking to just keep doing works and doing works and doing works, 
just for, because we think we need to earn this. Seek a relationship with Jesus first, and the works will come. As you're sailing, though, there's these rocks on the other side that are kind of like, well, you just need to pray a prayer. Um, following, whatever, that's fine. You're okay, don't worry about it. That's not a good place to be either. And so I want to I kind of take us down this straight here and, and avoid these issues that we could find on either side of this. Um, so on, on the one hand, um, you know, I, I don't want us walking out of here today thinking that I need to do more work so that I can be a sheep. But on the other hand, the worst thing that I could say to somebody who is not following, who is not obediently following, is that you're okay. Don't worry about it. I don't want you to stay there. If you're going in either of those directions, we need to stop. We need, to, we need some honest introspection. We, we need to look at our lives and, and ask, am I obediently following? Am I recognizing him as Lord? Am I pursuing a relationship with him? Um, now, if you, if you do this and you're looking at it, you see kind of an imminent shipwreck coming up in your life. Don't keep going that way. Notice it. Recognize it and turn to Jesus. He will guide that ship straight. Um, if, you're, if you're going to these, toward these rocks that say, you don't really need to obediently follow. Um, I want to turn to James and, and show you. God talks about this specifically. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. James says, these works are evidence. They're evidence of who you have recognized as Lord in your life. Um, they're evidence of who you have placed your faith in. And so if you're not seeing the evidence in your life, if you're not seeing the fruit that shows where your roots are, that's not a good place to be. Um, I know that that can be kind of uncomfortable to hear sometimes. I know I, there have been times that I have heard that and gone, I don't know. Um, and that, that's not a, a fun place to be. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. As we go on to the last two verses in here, we're going to see the comfort that comes from knowing Jesus in this and the comfort that comes when you realize that you've been heading toward one of these cliffs and you are in imminent danger of shipwreck. There is a comfort that Jesus gives us at the end of this. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus, in this beautiful and, and very personal description of his relationship 
both with the Father and with us as sheep. He gives us this peace that comes when we recognize that we've been going the wrong way. He never let us go. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, if you have heard his voice through his word, if you have heard his voice through others around you and through his guiding, and you have recognized him as Lord, and, and you have over time kind of started sailing off the wrong way, he, he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you keep going that way. He is going to turn you. Um, as I was thinking about this, one of the verses that came to mind is in Revelation, Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea, and they've kind of, he says, you guys are lukewarm. Like, where, where's your passion for me? You, you've lost your first love. Um, but then he finishes that with, in, in Revelation 3, 19 through 20, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. I will eat with him and he with me. I love, I love that image of recognize where you're going wrong. Turn and open the door. He's going to be there. You're not going to open the door and not find anyone standing there. He's going to be there. And he wants to come in and he wants to eat with you. He wants to be with you. And we, w- we don't want to take all this as kind of an excuse to wander. Um, yes, he, he is absolutely not going to let us go, but don't take this as an excuse to wander. If you have no desire to follow, if you have no desire to turn back, check your faith. Check it. Um, Ask yourself honestly, do I really recognize Jesus as Lord? But if you do this and you see that you're following and you go, oh my gosh, no, I need you, Jesus. Take the the peace and the hope that is in these verses. Um, you know, we, if we might kind of doubt where the good shepherd's leading us. We might doubt the scenario that we're in. We might be uncomfortable where he's taking us. But he's going to be with us through that whole thing. He's going to guide us. He's never going to let us go. And that is such a great comfort when you, when you go out and you hand out groceries to people you've never met before. And you are just going up there and you're like, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do here. He's with you through that whole thing, and he's going to be with you at the end of it. When you, when you go and share your faith with somebody, and you feel uncomfortable through that whole thing, he is with you through that entire situation, and he's still going to be with you at the end of it. That is a great comfort as you go through these. So to kind of sum all of these up, the, the um, last point in your handout is if you hear recognize and follow Jesus and the Father have promised to never let you go. And I was kind of kicking myself after I had given these to Katie to print out because I, I also want to point out that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us we have been sealed in the Holy Spirit. That is just, I love that promise. And so you see the whole Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have promised to never let you go. So as his sheep, we hear him, we recognize him as Lord, 
and we follow. I want us to really think about this as a body. You know, if we were, if we were all as his sheep listening to his voice constantly, constantly seeking his voice through his word, through prayer, through um, just seeking his Holy Spirit, through listening to those around us that are speaking into our lives, if we were all doing this, all together, this community would change. And it would start with the individual because you would turn and you would see the hope that is in this. You would be following the good shepherd. And then, and then it would turn to families as families go, man, I, I don't know what's going on in this person's life, but it's amazing and I want to do this too. And then it turns into whole neighborhoods as, as people see what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, as people see what it means to follow the good shepherd. You know, we, we'll go through these terrible times. There will be pain. <laughs> Not all of this is going to be easy, but they're going to see our response to it because we know that the good shepherd's guiding us through it. That's an amazing hope, and people notice that. On the other side of this, though, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've maybe heard his voice, maybe you've even recognized that this is, this is something different. This is, there's maybe something to this. But you've never chosen to follow him. Think about these verses we just read. Look at these and see, see Jesus as the good shepherd. I, I think this, Paul's song right before I came up here was just so perfect. He is a good, good father, and I am loved by him. If you want that help, you want that peace that comes with this, if you're hearing this and you, and you want to follow that good, good father, the good shepherd, talk with somebody after this, pray with somebody next to you, grab Derek or Paul or myself. Um, don't wait. <laughs> Follow him. It is, it is such a calming thing to know as you go through struggles, as, as you go through the tough times in your life, that the good shepherd is leading you through it. So I'll uh, close with prayer, and then we will worship this good, good Father. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you guide and protect your sheep, Lord. I thank you that, um, that as we go through hard times, God, that we know that you are right, right there walking with us. God, that you are guiding us. Father, I pray that uh, if there are any who are wandering today, Lord, that um, they would see that in their lives and they would long to get back to you, God, that they would long to follow behind you and uh, just trust the, the path that you have taken them on. God, I uh, pray that this week, as we, as we go through our week, Lord, that we would, we would listen for your voice. We would be in your word. We would be in prayer. We would seek your Holy Spirit's guidance. Father, uh, that we would recognize when we hear you. We would recognize the voice of our Lord and God that we would faithfully follow. In Jesus' name, amen.